0: Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. We're going to read the Bible now together. The passage is on the screen if you have a Bible with you and you'd like to open up. If not... Um, Yeah, the passage will be on the screen for us. (coughs) (coughs) Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends, uh, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they are proven a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him, that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. (coughs) Our faithful friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. (coughs) Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archibus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you.
1: Morning, everybody. My name's Ross, if we haven't met. Uh, We have come to the end of... uh, series we've been working through the book of colossians and when we get to the end and we hear all those names it can feel like a you know, end of a movie titles where you get all the uh, names and who does what we're not looking at the end of movie titles when we read this but it's something that opens up the book of colossians which we want to dig into this morning so i'm going to pray now that god will help us to understand his word let's pray Dear Father God, thanks again for letting us join together here as your family. Lord, thanks again for the privilege it is for us to meet with you and through your word that you speak to us. Lord, reveal to us your heart for us this morning. Reveal to us your heart for our nation, our community and those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's something that's going on that's a little bit out of our control and it is this whole thing of this carbon footprint that we contribute to. Each of us contribute to uh, building carbon, and they call it the carbon footprint as we uh, build up and how much we contribute to that. And even this morning, I was thinking, you can't get away from it. As soon as you get out of bed, well, even sleeping, when you're breathing, you're contributing to a carbon footprint. Driving here this morning in your car, you're contributing through building, uh, through making carbon through electric or or diesel or petrol, we all produce carbon in different ways through that. Even here at church, as we go to morning tea, the worst thing you can do is have a coffee made on milk because milk comes from cows and what do cows do? They're one of the worst contributors of making carbon, the noises they make and things that they do. Apparently, I still like a coffee. I still encourage you to have a coffee. But we can't get away from it, consciously or unconsciously. We all contribute to a carbon footprint, which continues to impact the way the world operates. Now, without going into the whole political side of that, but just looking at how we contribute to it knowingly or unknowingly, it actually has a negative effect on the world. And I was thinking about this, pondering, you know, what if we could have a positive impact on the world around us? You know the carbon things out of our control it's negative but what about if we could control something that's in a positive have a positive footprint on something on our community knowingly or unconsciously that we're actually building towards something that's going to make the place a better place but also is honoring to god This is where I think the book of Colossians is really helpful for us. Not only in showing us what we're to do as a church, but as individuals as well, that we could have a gospel footprint, that we could consciously decide, hey, this is how we're going to live. This is what we're going to do. We're going to impact our world. We're going to impact the people around us in a positive way, like a carbon footprint that's that's growing and growing, but a gospel footprint that's growing and growing. What would that look like? What would it look like as a church, as a people, as a community that here in Eight Mile Plains and this whole south side of Brisbane to have a gospel footprint here? What would it look like for us to be a part of that? What does that mean for us to have a gospel footprint that impacts others in a positive way, not negative? See, the book of Colossians is a really helpful way of seeing what does this look like? Not just for our community but for each of us as well in the in this letter uh it's written by the apostle paul and it's written to this church called in this city called colossi and in this letter it's it's opened up it's become a part of scripture because it's inspired by god it's instructions for us it's god speaking to us and in this he shows us what it actually looks like to have a gospel footprint We're going to look at the last uh, section of Colossians, but we're going to have a bit of an overview of Colossians. If you have missed uh, one of the last five talks of just seeing what is this all about. And here, right in chapter 1, back in verse 4, Paul's describing what the church looks like. He says, we've heard of your faith in Jesus. So what does a gospel footprint look like for this church in this city? They've got faith in Jesus. He's the one they identify with. He's the one they're going to trust. And also, the love you have for all God's people. It's not just a head thing. I believe in Jesus. I acknowledge historically true. I'm going to trust him. It's a heart thing and a hands thing as well, in acts of love for God's people. That's having a gospel footprint. They're living out what they believe. And their focus is... Is on the hope stored up in heaven. And this word hope used in this uh in scripture in these times is not a wishful thinking. Oh, I hope there's a heaven. No, it's a message of assurance. The hope they have in heaven. They're not living for this world in the here and now anymore. They're living for eternity. They're living for something greater, a greater kingdom in heaven. That's what they're living for. And the hope that they've heard in the message of the gospel that is set out for you. This puts a little bit more meaning to not just Jesus, but it's what Jesus actually did. The message of the gospel is is the story, is the, the true story, historically true, about what Jesus actually did. How Jesus is the Son of God, the God who created the universe. But when the universe, through humanity, didn't want any part of him become rebellious. He actually comes into our world. Jesus, the Son of God, steps into our world, not to punish us, but to take our punishment. That's why he went to the cross. He gave up his life so we could have life. That is the message of the gospel. He died in our place. He rose again, showing that he is truly Lord, that he can defeat death. And by believing in him, We also can experience that as well. This is a gospel footprint. When you look at these people in the first century, in the city of Colossae, these group of people called the church, their faith in Jesus, their love for one another, their hope is in heaven, they live for heaven, and they cling to the message of the gospel of Jesus. This is a great description of a gospel footprint. People being changed, transformed, come from death, gone to life. That they enjoy this but this is not just in this one city uh, two thousand years ago paul goes on to say uh, how it's changing the whole world this message is just not unique to one church it's actually spreading across all communities the gospel is changing people changing lives giving them life and it doesn't happen by accident it's actually very intentional and purposeful because he goes on to say verse 7 you learned it from this guy called epaphras and he describes him as a fellow servant now the the literal word there because it's written in the greek being uh first century it is called a slave he's a fellow slave now it's not that he is what we would call slave that he's um locked up and uh used for like a, a human slave now this term paul often uses we're a slave in that we don't live for ourselves we live for a greater king and a greater master that he follows jesus not just believes in jesus but he's actually given himself to jesus he serves jesus the greater king so paphras has gone to this city of Colossae, laying this gospel footprint explaining who jesus is seeing people's lives transformed but he's not just a lone ranger as well. He's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, Paul says. Paul says he's part of our team. Paul's on this journey too of creating this gospel footprint. It's not just about one man in Paul. It's about a whole bunch of guys going around city to city proclaiming the message of Jesus, seeing lives changed. This is a gospel footprint. And if you see this... and. Uh, look at this, you know, oh, imagine if we could see this in a place like the south side of Brisbane. People who, faith in Jesus, their love for each other, their hope in eternity, not here. And they cling to the cross of Christ. That this message is not just contained in even one church, but it's spreading out through the whole of the south side of Brisbane. And there's lots of fellow servants or fellow slaves serving Jesus. In spreading the good news of the gospel, this is a gospel footprint. It's a great picture of people that's come from death to life. Paul says, living from not living from the kingdom of this world anymore, but living of the kingdom of eternity, God's kingdom. This is a gospel footprint where the gospels had impact on people's lives. But what does it look like to be a part of that? How can me here sitting this Sunday morning here at Southside, be a part of something like this. What does this look like for me in my life? Well, Paul shows us a little bit of his purpose of life, then we'll look at his team, and then we'll look at what it means for us here. Because when we look at somebody like Paul's journey and what it looks like for him, it actually stirs your soul to go, Oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. So, Paul, still in chapter 1, verse 23. Uh, talks about how uh, the gospel you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. It's like, actually, personally, he's, I've been impacted by this message of Jesus on the cross. His death for me has changed my life to the point that I don't want to live for myself anymore, for my own agenda, my own purpose, my own goals, which was getting me nowhere. I live for the King, the true King. I'm going to be a servant of this message. He goes on in verse 28, Jesus is the one we proclaim. This talks about uh, the purpose of what he's trying to do and how he's doing it. He proclaims Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. If you want like a purpose statement for somebody's life, Paul says, this is the purpose statement for my life. To present everyone fully mature in Christ. Not just know Jesus. Oh yeah, I I believe something there happened about Jesus. But to be actually growing in maturity. To be not just head, but heart and hands. All of life. To know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's paul's dream it's almost like i can imagine when jesus returns to take us home and everybody all people of all nations line up uh at judgment day they call it but if you're safe in jesus that paul's there going hey i want to introduce to you all these people that i spoke to about jesus all these people that have come that i've had the privilege to share the message of jesus to nurture them to full maturity paul says i want to present them to you jesus isn't that a great picture? And that we can be a part of that too, to present people fully mature in Christ. Is this a half-hearted effort from Paul? No, he says the next verse, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. The, the word he we've mentioned before is agonos in the Greek, which was the same word we get agony from. Paul saying, I agonize for you. I'm going to give my whole life for you to hear this message, to serve you, to, so that you might know Jesus, so you might know what it looks like to follow him as master and king, that you might find life and hope in eternity. So Paul's not half-hearted about this. This is his purpose for his life. He continues on in the very next chapter, chapter 2, reading from verse 1. Again, I'm contending for you and for those that lay see My goal is... So you go, what is he living for? Makes it very clear. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Comes back to what we talked about before. The impact I want to have on people is that they have a heart for Jesus. And not just a heart for Jesus, but they live it out with their hands. That they show their love for one another through their actions as well that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. It's not just a lifestyle, it's not just a religion, but it's people changed and transformed because of Jesus, because of God's Son. He's the one we follow, he's the one we trust, he's the one Paul is pointing us to. I'm sure back then, if you come across a group of people that Paul has hung out with for some time, and you see their knowledge of God, the way they cling to Jesus, their love for one another, their heart for the gospel—you get That's a, a gospel footprint. That's a group of people that's hung out with Paul. We know it is, because that's what he's been. That's what he's committed his whole life to—to to seeing people transformed. This gospel footprint sees results, sees lives changed, and Paul says, "I want to be a part of that. I want to have a." a gospel impact on people i want to leave a gospel footprint that's for paul that's for paul but it's not only paul see paul goes on and this is the passage we had read for us it's at the end of his letter where he lists a whole lot of people it's his team of people that's gathered around him uh we'll just pick out some names and and just see the way they contribute to the team way they're described so Tychicus uh, he's described as a dear brother fellow minister a fellow servant and that word slave there is used again he's one of us serving the Lord God and he's going to come tell you about me and encourage your hearts that's what his job is going to be he wants to go there to encourage your hearts in the gospel there's Onesimus that our faithful dear brother That's how he's described he, he's you know, not literally a brother, but he's one of us. Uh, he's going to share the message as well. A uh, fellow prisoner, Aristicus, who sends his greetings. He's with Ju- with Paul in prison. That's where Paul's writing this letter. Uh, we believe he's in house arrest, waiting for a trial, and he's got other people. Just now, who would volunteer to go and sit with someone in jail? But yet, this is what the team looks like. People are like this guy. Uh, mentioned mark mark's interesting uh the cousin of barnabas because uh he's mentioned several times in the in the gospels um i believe he's the same one who wrote the letter of the book of mark Uh, he's also paul had a fallout with mark Back in the journey of Acts, there's a few references uh, in our growth group notes. If you want to look up the story of Mark, that's why I think Paul says, you know, you've got instructions about him." Because once I was pretty angry with him, probably said some stuff, and now he's going, "Hey, no, if he comes, look after him. He's he's a good bloke, really." Um, it describes a team, doesn't it? A family. It's yeah, fallouts and make up, uh, but he's welcome. Him, he's one of us too there's this guy called jesus not jesus the christ jesus called justice he sends his greeting a message of encouragement from the team Uh, there's some jews co-workers for the kingdom of god paul describes them They're, they're there we're working together on the same team the whole we've spoken this about this regularly the jews and gentiles didn't get on but on this team they're working together for the kingdom of god they've proved a comfort for me so again, with Paul in jail, he's got these guys around him that are supporting him, comforting him, encouraging him, and others. He goes on. Apaphras. Epaphras was a guy we met in our first reading uh, in the in chapter one. He's the one who brought the message of the gospel to Colossi. Uh, so same guy. He's still with Paul. He's one of you. He's a servant of Christ, as he's described. He's following christ as described as a slave in chapter one he sends his greeting and now he's described as always wrestling in prayer for you coming putting your case before god because he truly wants to see you mature and fully assured in christ and paul says he's working hard for you like sometimes we think the guy in the prayer room is you know that's the easy job he just sits and does that no no paul says he's working hard for you guys Putting your case before God he's a hard worker in that way. Our dear friend Luke, this is Luke also, is the gospel writer, uh, he's the doctor. Demas is with him, they send their greetings, they're also sending a message of encouragement. Uh, and Paul says, give my, give my greetings, Paul sends his greetings to them. And he also mentions this woman called Nympha, who has a church running in her home now she's not with them but he says he she we know she's also leaving a gospel p- footprint in her area because she's actually hosting a church in her house now there's a whole lot of names and a whole lot of descriptions there but there's a couple of things that kind of really stand out the number of people involved in that We think the gospel footprint that Paul is going to lay depends on Paul. In fact, this is why he's in jail, because he kept talking about Jesus and people got upset at him and they wanted to lock him up. So he's locked up because he was telling people about Jesus. Does that stop the gospel from growing? Does that stop his gospel impact on the people around him or even the world? No. Actually, God uses these events to actually expand the gospel there are lots of people making this gospel footprint bigger and bigger from town to town city to city it's getting bigger and bigger because there's lots of people involved in this it's not just paul but also the diversity of what they're doing so paul is clearly what we call an evangelist he loves preaching loves telling people about jesus does the speaking part but there's lots of people here That are encouraging they're sending their greetings they're sending messages they're deep in prayer for other people they're hosting they're having churches meet in their house it's a very diverse group with lots of uh, ways they complement each other for effectiveness That stands out to me that this is not just a group of people just going yeah i'll follow paul no no i want to be a part of paul's purpose Paul's goal to see people come to maturity in Christ. And they're all there. But Paul also sends a cheeky little message in his letter. We assume that Archippus is a guy at Colossae. Uh, He's um, part of that church who's going to read the letter. He says, See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. It's almost like this is not exclusive to Paul. It's not exclusive to Paul's team. It's actually he's sending messages to that church going, hey, to this guy, I assume Paul's met him, don't forget what God has called you to do. And in fact, I wouldn't surprise me where Paul would be quite comfortable to say actually to the whole church, don't forget to complete the ministry you've received from the Lord as a church. It's, this is applies to all of you, calling them all. You need to live this out too. You want to see more people change, more people find life. You want a gospel footprint in your area. Don't forget the calling that God's asking you to. Don't forget it. There's a whole lot involved in here. It's Paul's story. It's his team's story. It's the church in Colossae's story that the gospel footprint is growing and growing and growing. And what does it look like for us? Because this is a series about my church. What do I want my church to look like? And we're working hard on letting God tell us what, we want his, what he wants his church to look like, but it's my church that I'm signing up to do. So we've got a couple of uh, suggestions on how this might look. If you're a member of Southside, this is what we're talking about. So we've come up with these my commitments, and we've come to the last one today. I will seek to minister to others. And this whole idea of serving others, to be encouraging each other, building others up in their faith, into maturity, is is to minister. It's the Minister M we're talking about. So what we're saying is we want to use our time, talents, and treasures to serve the people and ministry of Southside. Now this is quite... uh, It's in the context of us as a church. But it is much bigger. Let me explain. With the... um, carbon footprint that's being talked about a lot lately there's action points the government is calling us or scientists are calling us to be a part of the solution for this building up of carbon one way they ask you to do it um, is you can pay money so if you're contributing a uh, large amount of carbon, particularly big business, you can pay for carbon credits. You're basically paying for somebody else to plant trees to make the world a greener place. So if you want to uh, you fix your problem, you can pay somebody else to do it, so you pay money. There's also a way of cheering others on. So you can encourage others. So there's a number of businesses that are saying, hey, we're going fully green. We're going to contribute no carbon to the environment where they're paying somebody else or doing something with their own management to reduce their carbon footprint. So what we've been encouraged to do or businesses are encouraged to do is support them who's got a smaller footprint. Um, To mention one company, they've got a big advertising campaign. uh, You might know them as VB, a beer ad. You might notice i probably paid more attention to that ad more than others. VB are saying, buy us, because soon we're going to have a carbon neutral footprint. So they're saying, support us. That's another way we can reduce it as, um, as a people group. The other way is to do something about it. So we've got pay money for somebody else to fix it, encourage those who are doing something about it, or we can do something about it ourselves. Use electricity. Use um, you know, just just be wise in the way we even use our water and our heating and things like that. Our, our vehicles uh, drive less or drive more efficiently. Things like that that we personally have to be involved. Now, what are we called to do? If they said, are they saying which one are you going to do? Which one do you want to do out of those three options? Yeah, you know, well, it's helpful, but actually, if we're going to have a real impact with a carbon footprint, we actually need to do all three. You know, plant more trees, make the earth a greener place, a healthier place. We actually need to support businesses who do that. But we need to do it ourselves. We need to look after our carbon footprint as well. Let's do all three. Now, when it comes to leaving a gospel footprint, we use the language here in this sense, give your time, talents and treasures. Actually, to leave a gospel footprint will mean giving time whether it's time to be just chatting to your neighbour, chatting to those around you, getting to know them, loving them. It's going to be a sacrifice of time, whether it's serving here. It's going to involve time to actually leave, to invest in somebody else, to leave a gospel footprint. It's going to mean using your talents. So we've all been gifted in different ways to contribute, whether it's you know, in kids' church at the moment, people are using their gifts to encourage our little disciples here at church in knowing who Jesus is, or whether it's you know, up on stage with the musos, whether it's doing the cleaning, whether it's greeting, we've all been given gifts. It's actually, I've got something to give, I've got something to contribute, I can contribute in that way, so I'm personally taking ownership of that. And it's even using our treasures, even our finances, to go as a church on mission to this south side of Brisbane to leave a gospel footprint, I'm going to even use that resource that I've got to contribute financially, to, to, to win the south side for Jesus. Time, talents and treasures. Now, that's not just a church thing, it's calling on us thing. Whether you use your time, talents and treasures uh, to show generosity to your neighbour, buy them a meal, go for a walk with them, comfort them in times of need. You can do that and we, we should be doing that. It's not which one are you going to do. It actually, to leave a gospel footprint means all of us to do all three. But particularly in the context of church that we make sure we're doing it with each other, that we're making sure we're showing our love for our brothers and sisters here. That as a church that we, we put our, our, what we believe in our head and our heart to our hands, into our actions, that we do that. This is using our time, talents and treasures leave a gospel footprint saying i'm going to become a servant of christ to become a servant of others this is what the next one pushes into to be an active member of a ministry team where i regularly pursue greatness by being a servant to others now this idea comes from um, when we look at what jesus did for us that jesus creator of the universe left his throne of greatness to become a servant to even die on a cross for us and in lowering himself by giving himself even death on a cross we see his greatness his great love for us his great compassion for us his great desire for us to find life so we say jesus is the greatest because he gave up so much so when we talk about serving We want to be people who are great at serving. That doesn't mean we're good and pious and righteous, but we're actually following the message of Jesus and lowering ourselves to humility. We want to become a servant of Jesus, even a slave to Jesus by serving others. That's what we want to be great at, just like Jesus was. This is in the context of here at church at Southside that we use our time, talents and treasures to serve others, that we're active member of a ministry team. Now, what does this look like? It says, just in pulling these things together, this is our last talk, as we said, about my church and the way we apply this kind of stuff to here at Southside. There's just a couple of things um, that are just worth a mention. This thing, teams versus ros- rosters. Uh, hopefully, rosters is almost like a dirty word in this church. It's all about teams. Why do we do that? It's mainly because rosters indicate you sign up to do a job, you do the job, you go home. It, you know, if, if the goal of the task is to just get it done, a roster is what you need. You know, ros- even for the people up the front here, I'm rostered on to sing. So they turn up, they sing something, they're going to make sure they know what songs they're singing, job done. But actually, if we talk teams, that's a very different culture. It's actually, I'm a part of something else all this okay these are the songs we're singing. how can we there's a discussion that goes on how can we help everybody engage with the words of this song how can we make it as singable as possible how can we help you engage not just with the words but with singing to God through this experience in our time together there's a team thing that happens just use them as an example because we see them every Sunday morning but it happens in kids church it happens in welcoming it happens in all our teams that there's a sense of how can we do this better how can we be more effective in what we do it's not just getting the job done but we're a part of something it's also a part of discipleship so we're not just a church that's running around being busy but we want to do life together which means we get to know each other we had to have regular conversations. And even serving shoulder to shoulder actually is a kind of a, a bonding experience. You know, we have a busy rush or we have a challenge we've got to push through. How are we going to do this? And we work through it together. So we're actually getting to know one another, particularly in tricky situations. Hopefully continuing on conversations. Hey, last week you said this week was going to be really tough. How did you go? Even praying for each other. Serving in teams is a way we do things together and even discipleship together. Teams first. So we're committed to teams. You'll hear us talking about teams. We'll invite you to join a team because we want you to be doing things with others. There's another one. Numbers first. the journey. So this is another thing where we can get into trouble. If, if we're a church that's all about numbers, it's all about uh, reading this, Reaching this goal, this target, that becomes our focal point. Again, it's all about getting the job done. That's not what we're called to be. But yet on the flip side, if it's all about the journey, it's all about we're, we're anti-numbers, it's all about just doing church, we can easily fall into this, and that's a picture of a cruise ship that kind of comes, it's less focused on what we're meant to be doing and more about just us just hanging out and making sure we get what we want becomes inward focused if it's just about the journey so I put this up just to highlight we're actually on about both our, um, our mission statement is to make and grow disciples and we try and put that in everything we do so even serving in a team is a form of discipleship it's, it's the journey of us working together in relationships doing that but we also say numbers are important because if our mission statement is we want to be serious about Jesus making and growing disciples, which means if you're here today and, and you're not sure about Jesus, we want to help you to wrestle with that, to see Jesus clearly, to see if that's if he is someone you should worship, you should follow, but also grow disciples as we come to full maturity in him. That's our mission statement, our vision statement is that we work and pray that God will use us to reach 1% of our community. And within 10 minutes of here, there's over 100,000 people. So we're working and praying that God will use us to reach 1,000 people. That's our prayer for for now. Uh, When we get there, we'll work out something else. But it is actually about a number. We're actually being very specific about that. And that is helpful because it says, actually, there are lots of people out there who need Jesus. It is actually saving them from darkness to light. It's saving them to eternity in heaven, giving them something to live for that's meaningful, not the here and now. So actually, the more people we see saved, it's actually the more people we see coming into the kingdom. Numbers matter. If we want to say we want to be reaching a thousand people it's not because we want to be a big church but we want to see more souls saved so we do use numbers because numbers are important and at some level numbers are important for all of us Uh, our bank account numbers we need to keep an eye on that or else we get into trouble the numbers on our fuel gauge we need to know that uh, because we'll get into trouble we need to have some idea of numbers and how we're going that's why we talk about numbers but it is about the journey because we don't want to be taking our eyes off that, taking the foot off the pedal and kicking back on our armchair on a deck, drinking our drinks. It's not just about us. So these things are important. And I also want to say that everybody contributes to this, like Paul's team. Everybody's got this diversity of gifts. Everybody's got different measures of time, but we contribute in ways with a common goals. We want to see many people become disciples we want to see many people grow in maturity and i think so on a sunday morning our uh the people serving to make church happen there's over 35 people uh serve to make sunday morning happen there's a big our biggest team is our kids ministry why do we do that not to look after kids so the parents can sit in here because we want to see them become disciples these things are important because their souls being saved People coming into the kingdom. This is what we want for you, your children, but we also want it for our community. We want to leave a big gospel footprint. The south side is a part of something way bigger than just ourselves. You're seeing people come into the kingdom. So we're just coming back to chapter one, something that Paul said that sums up our journey, our journey as individuals, but our journey as a church. Where he said in chap- chapter one, verse 21, He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without a blemish, and free from accusation. See the difference it makes? I think most of us would have experienced that before knowing Jesus. I was like this, I was a train wreck living for myself, living for my own pleasures. But now through Christ, I can see true life, true purpose. God has left a gospel footprint on my life. We can do this as a church. We can actually work and pray that God would use us to reach many, many more on the south side of Brisbane, to reach many more into the kingdom of God. This is a great calling. And it's almost going back to... What Paul said, sorry, back to that verse, to Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Isn't that a calling for each of us? See to it that, you, that you're a part of this, that you can have a positive impact on those around you. Let me pray. Dear Father God, I just thank you for this great message, the great reminder of the gospel. How it is such a privilege to be a part of it. That through Jesus' death on the cross, you've left this great gospel footprint on our lives. Lord, I pray for those here who are still wrestling with what that means, that you'd continue to reveal yourself to them. But Lord, as a church here, put it on our hearts that we want to see this whole south side of Brisbane with this big gospel footprint. That many people will be impacted your love your grace your compassion that they will see what it means to be living for heaven fraternity with you lord use us use us as we work as we pray in our everyday lives lord use us to impact other people with the good news of jesus we pray for your power and strength that you would use us in that journey in jesus name amen